journey with us below the ocean's surface to a place of darkness and eternal silence where man cannot go without his protective technology, a vast alien place in which countless secrets are hidden, countless mysteries unsolved. It was in this aquatic other world that Mark Harris was born. Stan Lee presents Man from Atlantis. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 81, Mad Dogs and Dinosaurs, Issue 7, August 1978. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Marvel's Cosmic Comics. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about some comic books from the past. That's what we do here on the comic book time machine. And for Marvel's Cosmic Comics, that means that the comic books from the past are Marvel and they're cosmic, sort of. That is to say that uh, these are science fiction or fantasy comics. And if you're just that this is your first episode that you've ever listened to of Marvel's Cosmic Comics I don't know, maybe you're just wondering, well, what is the what is the final issue of Man from Atlantis like? And so you're checking out uh, to find out what what is the final issue of Man from Atlantis like? Well, what we do here on this this podcast feed from the comic book time machine is I go month by month through Marvel's sci fi and fantasy licensed books. So Man from Atlantis, Human Fly, Star Wars. We're going to be getting into some Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek and Doctor Who and that kind of thing. But right now, this is what we're looking at. Man from Atlantis. So, we're kind of at the end of an era here with this issue. Issue number seven. Uh, the title, <laughs> Mad Dogs and Dinosaurs. Um, it delivers on that. The cover promises, Behold, the land forgotten. And uh, it also delivers on that as well. I will say, though, that there is one thing noticeably absent, and that's that it doesn't say from the hit television show, because the television show wasn't so much of a hit at this time, which we'll we'll talk about. We'll we'll talk about that for sure. But um, in case you're wondering, Man from Atlantis, uh, just brief overview again, was a television show that starred Patrick Duffy as uh, Mark Harris, who was the man from Atlantis born identity type of situation where he was he washed up on the shore and you know he had webbed hands he had enhanced vision he needed to breathe water he needed water every you know 24 hours to really to survive he needed to be in the water uh it was a tv show though that lasted one season and i've now read every single comic and have watched every single episode of the show and i i think it's fair to say that this is the only podcast that I know of probably that exists that actually has covered issue by issue the entire series of Man from Atlantis from issue one to, well, to this issue. So getting into this issue, um, 
clearly when they were creating the issue, when they were writing and drawing and, and finishing the actual story, they were not anticipating that this was the final issue of this series. Uh, although in the letters page, I mean, previously in the letters page, we knew that the show had been canceled. Uh, they knew the show had been canceled and I think they might've known the writing was on the wall, but even then that was a month ago in publishing terms. And, you know, these books are created in, in order where you have the writer writes it and then it goes to the artist who draws it. And then it goes to an inker who inks it. And then a colorist who colors it and a letter who letters it. And then all of that is put together with then the, the ad copy and, and the text pages. And so by the time they had started on this, you know, I, I would assume that they were working on this with the story anyway thinking that the TV show was still continuing. But uh, by the time that all that stuff was packaged together and then they get ready to do the, the letters column, which is still, I mean, uh, the letters column, usually letters, you know, they're three months old. Uh, and so you'll have an issue come out and then three months later, you'll get uh, some feedback on that issue. In fact, the, the issue that they have feedback from in this particular comic is issue number three and but there's it takes time for the letters to get in it takes time for them to you know like i said package this all so it can be printed but when they went to print with this they knew they knew in fact here's what they say by now you know if you read man from atlantis number three although i don't know why that says number three uh probably they meant number six but you know, a little, little typo here. Uh, this is Marvel's last to deal with the adventures of Mark Harris. We here at the bullpen regret the decision to cancel as much as we're sure you do. It was a decision that was forced on us by circumstances, not sales. And we're still hoping that the success of the comic it, itself will be proven by an upsurge of letters from all you concerned with the, all you concerned Atlantis fans out there. It's a funny thing, the demise of a book. Many of us put in quite a lot of time, energy, and love to its creation. We borrowed the original stimulus from the TV show, to be sure, but we also invested much of our own concern in the mag, and we think it showed. Man from Atlantis may be gone, then again, it may not. Your mail can still change that, and so can sales figures when we've yet to receive, uh, which we've yet to receive even on, on Man from Atlantis number one. Mark Harris may be gone from Marveldom, but Undersea Adventures are in the works on another great mag, even as we write this. What do we call it? Eulogy? But uh, be that as it may, there's still one thing that remains to be done, and that's to thank all the people who helped bring you Man from Atlantis for the few short months of, his, of its existence. There are too many names to list them all, but we can certainly spare space to express our, appreci our appreciation to fearless Frank Robbins, and fun-loving Frank Springer. Then there's Janice Cohen, Archie Goodwin, Jim Shooter, Ralph Macchio. Last but not least, we have to say a word of thanks to Mary Jo Duffy, who cared so much that it hurt. And we have to express our heartfelt gratitude to you, true believers, who stuck with us, who wrote in, who plunked down your 35 cents to show us we were doing good. Thanks, people. Thanks a million. Bill Mantlow. And, yeah, I mean, again, going into that production idea, this is issue number seven, and so 
comics would stay on the shelf for you know three and four months before there would be any kind of returns thing with with the stripped covers or whatever they would do. And so <laughs> by the time they were getting ready to, you know, they were doing this final packaging to send this to print, they still didn't know how well issue number one had sold. So, I mean, clearly this was was canceled uh, because the show had been canceled. And I don't know if it was a, a deal thing where the people who owned the rights to Man from Atlantis were just like, we're not going to mess with this anymore. And so since we're done with it, you're done with it. Or if it was Marvel itself saying, or, you know, maybe some of the higher ups there saying, look, the, the show is going away. Why would we keep going with the comic book even, you know, with the with the show, not a, not even a thing anymore? Uh, not that that really matters. I mean, they were doing that Logan's Run comic. The movie was out and then it was gone, but the comic was was still there. And uh, the same thing with 2001. I mean, it's not like you have to have necessarily an active living original franchise to to build the comic on. It doesn't have to be around, especially if you can find an audience for it. So, I mean, there was some in my opinion, there was some behind the scenes stuff going on here beyond just readership and is it catching on are the marvels are the marvel zombies actually reading this are they do they care about this is it too much of an aquaman or a submariner ripoff and uh or does the the television show itself have the audience that can sustain the comic book to continue with the adventures and real quick i i do want to mention who was behind creating this issue uh bill mantlow was the story writer he also wrote that that blurb that i read frank robbins who was mentioned in the in the blurb was the penciler frank springer is the anchor uh jay costanza the letterist janice cohen the colors and jim shooter the editor and you know this story is one that honestly it was weird when i was reading this uh it was weird because of the reactions I was having. Uh, the story itself has Mark Harris still at the the uh, the jungle world at the top of the earth. Um, you know, one of those hidden hidden uh, oases where there's uh, dinosaurs, and you know, it's been hidden from modern man, and so dinosaurs have been permitted to continue existing there, and. Uh, Mark Harris is there with this redheaded uh, barbarian woman who I assumed was actually a barbarian who you know survived along with the dinosaurs. Maybe her civilization did. Turns out she's actually the daughter of a scientist who was on a an expedition up there, and they the the people that ex the expedition were were killed by a dinosaur that um, was causing trouble because they were right near the oasis. They're right near that hidden world. And they didn't realize uh, until too late that the dinosaur was coming and it, they killed it, but it falls on the dome where they were living and everyone was dead except for this girl and her two dogs who were given the voice modulators that they used. That, so when at the end of last issue, there were the two talking dogs and I was just kind of, what in the world? Well, it turns out the scientist from Up uh, gave this scientist lessons, and uh, he, he created these things that allowed the dogs to vocalize and talk. And so they've been her companions ever since then, helping her to get through the cold of, of the Arctic and get to that warm uh, jungle area. 
So Mark Harris and this woman, they come up from the ruin, the ruins of Atlantis that he or they could be the ruins of Atlantis where she's been living and they cause a dinosaur stampede. And, you know, there's some ridiculous moments in here, but they're good. Ridiculous. They aren't the bad kind of ridiculous. Uh, we find out that the um, the woman who has been Scorba's uh, partner, um, right hand person, um, I don't know what, what I would call her because she showed up in the last, not last issue. Was it last issue? Last time when she showed up, it was just kind of weird. It was just kind of this kind of, uh, well, um, racist stereotype of, of the, uh, the Asian woman, uh, who's there and just weird, weird for her to show up like that. And she, uh, she's in here. It turns out it gets weirder because. They, uh, she's actually sisters with this redheaded red Sonia type woman. And it's just bizarre. And so the, even their, their, their reunion is just so quick and weird and bizarre. But then as I'm reading along, they, they finish with Scorba, the dogs attack him and they got him down. And, and so Mark Harris says, you know, we're, we're kind of done here. I need to go back to where I belong. And so he goes back to those those the ruined city, uh, the underwater city that could be Atlantis. And he looks around and it's really poignant. It's really poignant and, and a little bit uh, melancholy moment. And he's trying to decide, you know, should I stay here? Should I try and find out, are these my people? And then there's a splash page, actually a literal <laughs> splash page because he does dive into water in that, but he, he says, this is not my world. And perhaps there never will be a place that I can call home. And, you know, so then he's going to return to the, uh, the cetacean and okay. So that brings us to the last, you know, that's page 27 of the issue, but I want to, I'm, I'm estimating here, but page about 15 of the story. I think there's 70 pages to the story and sure. Okay, great. You know what? I actually, I like this, uh, and if that had been the end, him returning to the cetacean and, and just ruminating about how my life is, you know, here now and I'm just going to return to it. What a great ending to this series. You know, just kind of a I'm returning back. My home is there now. I'm not going to worry because. There is no one else here. Maybe even they could. They, they okay. When the the TV show was going on, they couldn't give any answers in the comic book to you know his origins, and so they had to kind of leave it kind of vague like this. But the the vagueness of it really fit nicely for me. I really like the way that pans out, and I actually found myself having an emotional experience reading it. I wasn't in tears or anything. I wasn't you know wiping away any eye sweat from my eyeballs, but I, I liked what I was reading. And I, so we get, get through this kind of weird adventure where they, you know, win the day with a dinosaur stampede and then talking dogs jump on the bad guy. And, and then we get this kind of melancholy emotional moment where he's walking through this empty ruined city that could be the only remains of his people. And then he goes back to the cetacean and finds a court jester who has turned everyone on the submarine into 
children who are playing with toys and talking like five-year-olds. So he, he comes up and he says, oh, they don't even monitor my approach. Still, I can operate the emergency airlock manually and gain entrance without help from the, inside the ship. Where is everyone? Laughter from the bridge. And so then the, the final splash page is uh, him stepping onto the bridge and saying, Elizabeth, Jomo, CW, what is going on here? What are you all doing? Playing, Malky. Want to join in? Don't even ask, Jomo. Mark such a drip. Be careful, Widobis. You're knocking over my blocks. And then there's this court jester-looking clowny guy. Not a clown. He has a, he has a domino mask, but no, no makeup. But he has pointy ears. He says, ah, delightful kitties. Glad to see you having such a dandy time. But let's see if Mark, if we can get Mark to play the game by my rules, of course. Mary's rules. And then it says, <laughs> I hate it when they do this. Marvel, when they would get a cancellation, they would keep the copy, but just add a little bit. So it says, be here. You'll die laughing. Nursery. So that's our teaser for the next issue that never happened. And then it says, see letters page for an important man from Atlantis announcement, which is the cancellation. Why did they have to include this last page? They knew they were being canceled. They could have done a pinup and said, see the letters page for an important announcement. I mean, they could have stopped right there. Just change a little bit of the dialogue. <laughs> they changed a little bit on the last page to say, see the letters page for an important announcement. They could have changed some of the dialogue on the previous page where he's just swimming up to the submarine, getting into the submarine and just say, you know, this is, this is my home now. And then a splash page of him and Elizabeth or something like that. But no, they do this. And it's so stupid. I hate it. I hate that splash page. Now, there's an episode of the show that has a, an elf-like character played by um, Pat Morita. Yeah, uh, Al from Happy Days and Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Where he is an elf character that whenever he gets in contact with someone, they want to play games. And he just wants to play games. He's not evil. Uh, but as he's going around playing his games... He has no concern for anyone's safety and people are getting hurt because they're doing things like jumping off the, the mast of a boat and, you know, almost drowning and, and things like that. But for him, it's all fun and games. And, and then he realizes when they take him to visit the person who f jumped uh, in the hospital, they, they take him to visit in the hospital and he realizes he's been hurting people and he wants to stop. He doesn't want to do anything more. But um, I don't know if this is meant to be some sort of tie into that because the characters are acting very similar to the way the characters acted in that episode. Um, so maybe this is another person from that world or something. I don't know. And I don't care. I hate this page. I hate it. But the, the stuff leading up to that, you know, it's, it's the right blend of absurdity and okay. The talking dogs, that doesn't, that doesn't help, but uh, that that poignancy of him was I one of them? Will I ever know? Very interesting to me. So you have this TV series where it, it does it goes in the same places as this. I mean, I talked about I'm pretty sure I talked about the episode where it had imaginary water that he's trying to fight through to get through. It had that Pat Morita episode. Um, there were there were some pretty dumb episodes in there I'm trying to think of some of the other ones right now, but I, I can't off the top of my head. Um, oh yes, there was the, okay. This, this is where it does get kind of stupid. There's, there's the sci-fi tropes, but there's the, they, they have a Western episode, which 
you know what? Uh, almost every sci-fi show has to do a Western episode. Every sci-fi show also usually has to do some sort of evil twin episode. And it's just for, for Man from Atlantis, they did both. He is uh, he is he plays his evil twin who is a cowboy who washed up on the shore of this place that's still stuck in the 1800s old west and then he goes and joins you know the people there and yeah and it turns out it actually is a twin brother who washed up on shore just like him with no memory uh only he cut off his webbed fingers and and then at the end, you know, it resets. And so Mark goes back and his his evil twin becomes good and stays there. And there's this really twisted thing where at the beginning there's this implied threat of basically rape. And then at the end, this person that he implied that threat to and him become a couple while Mark Harris leaves them. And it's just weird. There's an episode called The Naked Montague. Which was also so stupid because he falls into another world. And when he would go through these portals to these other worlds, um, you know, that, that would have been a kind of cool thing to maybe pull into and do like a, a Stargate kind of thing. But it's underwater. It's like these all these portals leading to these other other worlds, alien cultures and stuff. But instead of going to actual alien cultures, he goes to a place where there's an alien played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's the alien, and they're out in the desert. Or the Western world, which they didn't have them go through a portal to get there, but they could have. I mean, it, if they were going to do, like, underwater Stargate kind of thing. Um, the Naked Montague, though, he goes to a place where Romeo and Juliet are real. They are real. And when I say they are real, what I mean is he happens to come across a world that has that has hmm, over time become the world that is in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And he happens to arrive there just at the time where the events of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet are, are happening. And so it just doesn't make any sense. It's one of those where you just can't think about it too much because if you think about it, it's just going to drive you crazy. And so, I mean, most of these episodes aren't great. And the the, the actress who plays Elizabeth, um, Belinda Montgomery, uh, she disappears. She's in that imp episode I was talking about with Pat Morita. And then the last two episodes, she's gone. She's gone. In one of them, uh, she's replaced by someone who just shows up and kind of starts telling, you know, saying the lines that she would say. Uh, it just, it got bad. It got bad, and it's unfortunate that it did. But you know what? <laughs> In some ways, I, I wonder, is this is this why people are hipsters? Is this, is this why? Is this how a, a hipster feels? Because here I have this thing, this thing I've experienced that no one else knows, that no one else understands that no one else has experienced or not many people have experienced this comic book series, this TV series. I'm one of the only people. In fact, I'm the only person I know who's ever seen this show. And so am I now like, 
I mean, the hipster thing is they were into it, I guess, when before it was cool, you know, and then it became cool. And so here I am holding on to this DVD in my hand right now, Man from Atlantis, um, liking it before it's cool. But also after it was cool. And when I say before it's cool, I mean way before it's cool because it's probably never, ever, ever going to be cool. And I, I recognize this. I understand this. But um, I have this thing that I've enjoyed. And I have this thing that I've I've liked and been able to, you know, latch on to. Uh, and it's not the greatest thing ever. I will watch some Man from Atlantis again in the future. I don't know when. I don't know what context. I'm not sure, you know, what. I know some of the things that I won't be watching, like the Naked Montague. But um, and I'll be reading the comics again. Again, I don't know when it'll be. It'll be a couple years from now. Um but I will always, you know, they they gave me in the comic book the ending that they didn't give me in the TV show. And it's not a great, satisfying conclusion, but it's a pretty satisfying ending where basically they because it's episodic, there wasn't this continuing storyline other than this kind of mystery of where he came from. In this comic book, you get this thing where he's standing there and he dives into the water saying this is not going to be my world anymore. Never, maybe never was my world, but I'm returning to my friends on the the cetacean. I like that. But now uh, timing here is interesting because I haven't recorded one of these Marvel Cosmic Comics, even though, you know, they all are going to be released. um, You know, when you're listening to them on the feed, you, you just get them one after another and maybe even waiting, maybe not. But uh, then I also compile these into omnibus episodes that go out into the regular comic book time machine feed. And those, so the one that I just recorded on John Carter is going to be, you know, just moments away from this one. But there was actually a couple weeks in between recording because of some camp uh, things that I do in the summer. And I just didn't get a chance to. And then I had a, a computer breakdown and just a whole bunch of things conspired against me to do this episode. But I really wanted to get around to it. I read this a while ago and didn't get a chance to to record about it. So now I have. And the funny thing is, though, today is the day that I got a package from Amazon. And what did that package from Amazon have in it? It had in it. Man from Atlantis, a novel by Patrick Duffy, star of the hit 70s TV show. And this is the a book that he's been wanting to write for a long, long time. And I, I don't know if this is something that ever since he was done with the show that it's just kind of stuck in the back of his mind. Or if this is one of those things where he's kind of trying to do a, a William Shatner. Uh, with William Shatner, it's a lot easier for him to say, what was my defining role? I want to write some books about that character and explore that character in a way no one else could because I played that character for so long. And, um, he, he did it. He, he wrote this book and it will explore. I mean, the, the back of it says dive deeper than ever before and discover the origins of the man from Atlantis. Well, I'm ready to discover the origins of the man from Atlantis. I, I probably, probably will do an episode of, of Marvel Cosmic Comics, Comic Time Machine, where I'll talk about this book. Um, holding it in my hands right now, I haven't started reading it. Um, I'm finishing another book. I want to finish another book before I actually read this one. Um, 
but there's part of me that just wants to, you know, when I get done recording here, just go to bed and start reading uh, this book because it is kind of funny. I mean, it didn't come when I was done reading the comic. It didn't come when I was done with the TV show. That was a long while ago. I, I finished that, you know, like I said, two, two or three weeks ago. Uh, it came today, though, the day that I record about this comic book. And I'm holding it in my hands. Just brief overview from glancing at it. It's it's a print-on-demand type of book. At least it feels that way. It does not – it feels sturdy but doesn't feel um, – it feels a little cheap. A little cheap. Thin paper. Um, smells okay. I like the smell of it. It's, it's decent. Got a decent printing press smell to it. Uh, the cover artwork is terrible. Um, it's a really poor Photoshop job of a cutout from a publicity shot of Patrick Duffy from actually the used, I've seen this photo used in a, a couple different places, but it's really poorly done. I mean, I'm not a designer. I, uh, but I do some design because I have to, I could do much better than this, <laughs> much better than this. As far as the photo job, Photoshop cutout of the picture. Um, it looks like a bad green screen. Where you know how when you're watching a uh, old green screen or or bad green screen from a show that didn't have a lot of budget, and there's just that uh, ghosting of green around the image. That's what you have here. They did not do a very good job of that. Um, <laughs> the back has this weird kind of painting, I guess, of a hand holding a shell, and uh, that's not great. But I'm not holding that against it. I mean, I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. I'm going to judge it by its insides. Flipping through, though, um, there's the TV guide cover that has Patrick Duffy a painting. I wish I could see it in color. It looks really cool. Um, there's an article from TV Guide from December 3rd, 1977. There's some photos that I assume were from that. And then there's some... Uh, you know, set photos and publicity photos. And um, there's a another magazine feature article page from Sci-Fi Heroes magazine and just a bunch of, you know, pictures and stuff similar actually to the spreads that they had in the first issue of the comic. There's nothing related to the comic that I see in here, but uh, what I'm hoping for when I read this and, and this is all, I don't think I'm hoping for much, but because it's a novel, they can do more as it was with the comic. They could do a lot more with the comic. And what I'm hoping for is a well-written and well thought out story. And I'm not, I'm not looking for great deep, uh, sci-fi literature, but I am hoping for some good, solid, fun, pulpy sci-fi. And only time will tell. I guess I just have to read it. I, I wonder how many other people are out there, you know, holding their copy in their hand, just excited to read this next chapter from Man from Atlantis. But personally, I feel a little goofy, but I am. I am. And so all things considered... Do I recommend Man from Atlantis now that I finished it? It's all done. I've already talked about what I recommend from the TV show. If you really are curious, definitely watch the TV movies, at least the first couple. They're they're worth it. They're that sci-fi, 
Star Trek. It's in the vein of, of Star Trek. It's in the vein of um, some of the uh, live action hero kind of things that were coming out in the 70s and, and early 80s. Uh, the comic book itself, I also recommend, you know, give it a read. Uh, if you find it somewhere cheap, you'll if you find it somewhere for cover price, <laughs> which is 35 cents, money well spent. I mean, when I went back in time to get this um, and spending the, my 35 cents, money well spent. If you're spending collector's prices on this and by collector's prices, I mean inflated, you know, 30, 40, 50 dollars. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> don't don't do it. Um and the TV series, you know, if you like the TV movies enough, go ahead, go for it with the TV series. But I, I got them on sale, as I've uh, said before. Uh, I enjoyed myself watching them. And what else can I ask for, you know? Uh, but I probably wouldn't have spent anything on this if I hadn't been reading the comics and hadn't been doing this this coverage. So I'm glad I was doing the coverage, which kind of pushed me into making a purchase I wouldn't have normally made. But at the same time, it's a purchase I wouldn't have normally made. So, But I also wouldn't be sitting here wondering, is this book, what will this book be for me? So I will say, you know, Patrick Duffy, if you happen to be out there listening to this episode of uh, Marvel's Cosmic Comics, um, I do comic book adaptations. You know, uh, most of my comic book career has been adapting other stories for people into comic book form. And so, you know, I'd be willing to put my head together with you to see about how we could put together a man from Atlantis comic book, a return, you know, to the comic book medium. And I'm just throwing it out there, Mr. Duffy, if you're out there listening, uh, if you're not out there listening, then, you know, you, you wouldn't answer this, but uh, if you are out there listening, Go ahead, send me an email, and and I'll, uh, yeah, let's let's see what we could do. Let's make some magic, right? Uh, because <laughs> I'll be honest, um, this is this is a a concept that has caught my imagination. I really do like the potential that Man from Atlantis has, and um, of course, I'm saying this now to other listeners, not to you. Uh, Mr. Patrick Duffy, who is probably not listening anyway, but uh, as I just continuing my thoughts here about Man from Atlantis, um, this this captures my imagination. The concept is is really really strong. The concept is really really interesting. The end results, well, I, I'm holding in my hand the novel that could be, you know, a a great follow through on the potential of the concept in a way that the, the TV show didn't get to do and the comic book couldn't have done because the TV show would be the place to do it. But a 40-year-old franchise, this is this is the what we're going to get is this novel, and um, I'm, I'm excited to get to it. I'm excited to get to it. So our next segment is going to be Ben's Bullpen Bulletin for August 1978 that will include the ads and some of the text copy from the insides of these magazines and also a brief look at machine man and uh, devil dinosaur but for now uh for you dear listener who has 
listen to me ramble at Man from Atlantis. I'm curious if anyone is curious enough to actually try reading it. I'm also curious if anyone has read it before or if you've seen the show. Uh, I'd love to talk with you about it because this is one of those things where, as a man from Atlantis hipster, I have no one else that I can actually share my joy with. So, yeah, I was into Man from Atlantis after and before it was cool. After it was cool, 30-some years after it was cool, and before it was cool again. With that saying, I have to say thank you once more for listening, and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Ben's Bullpen Bulletin, cover date August 1978.